Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From Postcard from the Past and Wardour Studios, this is Podcast from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. This is the programme where I invite guests to revisit picture postcards that they've kept, and together we try to understand what it was that preserved those particular cardboard oblongs from the shredder and the recycling bin. Usually, as you probably know, each time I welcome to the studio two guests, and it's their postcards that act as a thread between our everyday lives and a pattern of memories, mysteries and stories. But we've almost reached the end of this second series of podcasts from the past. And this programme is the podcast equivalent of a postcard multi-view. One of those cards that show various different views of the place where you bought the postcard. And we'll be revisiting conversations with a few of the guests from across this second series. I'm Tom Jackson. And today, the first class guests we'll be hearing from will be broadcasters Zeb Sones and Gideon Co., poet Ruth Padell, journalist Emily Dugan, philosopher Julian Bagini, novelist Kit Duval, and from the world of comedy, Lorraine Bowen and Gronya Maguire. We'll start with Gronya and Kit. When they came into the studio, a slightly worrying lack of postcards was no impediment to some fascinating stories. Here's how the conversation started. Now, Gronya Maguire is a stand-up comedian, comedy writer and actor. She's performed innumerable times on the Edinburgh Fringe, and she has fearlessly entered the lion's den of politics on Question Time and the Daily Politics, which uh, she's a brave woman. Uh, you may also have heard her on the radio, on the Now Show, Stephen K. Amos and Idiot's Guide, Front Row, Woman's Hour and elsewhere. And Gronia comes to us with a Dunmo, Navan, County Meath postmark? Yes. <laughs> and Gronia, do you still send postcards? I mean to send postcards, which I think is close. <laughs> I, 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 whenever I go somewhere on holidays, I've got a niece and nephew, so I send them a postcard because I think they're still at the age where they're eight and ten, so if they have yeah. something that's theirs, it's still really exciting. So that's what I mean to do. And uh, how about receiving cards? I haven't received that many. My sister went on a big, big round the world trip. And so my granny was still alive. So she sent her loads of postcards. And one time, I think she was hungover or stressed, but she forgot to put my granny's... But what? No, she forgot to... She 
She forgot to put my granny's name on it. Oh. So instead of putting my granny's name would be Isha Maguire, she just put granny <laughs> and then the area that she lived in. So and it, got there. To me. it got there. Because <laughs> you know what happened? It arrived at the local post office and the postman was like, okay, so somebody has got a granddaughter who's been on holiday in Australia. So he just asked around and they said, oh, Isha Maguire's granddaughter is in Australia. Oh, I love that. That is an Irish story, isn't it? That that can only happen there. So great. Brilliant. Well, Kit Duval worked for 15 years in criminal and family law for the social services and the Crown Prosecution Service. But it's her fiction that brings it to Wardour Studios today. And she's won numerous awards for her short stories and flash fiction. My Name is Leon uh, is the novel that's made her name, though. The extraordinary, heart-rending story of a boy in foster care. Uh, which won the Kerry Group Irish Novel of the Year and was shortlisted for other awards. Uh, subsequent novel, The Trick to Time, is equally visceral. It's part romance, part tale of loss. Kit's been also been vocal in attempting to see greater visibility and representation for working-class writers. And Kit comes to us today with a palimpsest of, uh, <laughs> of cancellations, postmarks from St Kitts, Wexford in Ireland... Uh, and then probably sitting over the, a lot of them, Birmingham in the Midlands. Correct. <laughs> so, Kit, when did you last send a postcard? I don't, but I do send greetings cards. So I do always, uh, you know, remember my friends' birthdays and nephews and nieces. Postcards, I think the last time was probably about 10 years ago when I had a competition with my brother to find the worst postcard. I found a photograph of two rabbits. I think that was from Whitby. But he won with the photo of an Alsatian from Brighton. I just don't understand why you're saying these are bad pictures. <laughs> they so bad. What, the, the, what we were trying to do is make sure the postcard had nothing to do with the place. That was the point. It had to have nothing to do with anything. So, yeah, he won, unfortunately. There's a long, no, no, long and noble tradition of uh, cute, cute cats and uh, doe-eyed puppies. But are Alsatians doe-eyed or cute? <laughs> that's the thing, and that's why he won. You know, they say, go to Brighton, see the Alsatians. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, exactly. Well, before we discover the cards that Cronier and Kiss have brought along, I'll give you a quick card of mine. This is, of course, a postcard from the past card, uh, like I do on Twitter, uh, at past postcard. It's an old card from which I've selected just a part of the message. So this is a card of... She's a rather good card, actually. It's Butlins in Minehead in Somerset. Uh, and it's a sort of uh, riverboat, I suppose, like, yeah. like a um, yeah. southern Orleans, states, New Orleans yeah. kind of thing. Um, it looks really, I think it's probably a, a much simpler boat. They've just put some wooden cladding on the Around side. On the side, yeah. It's like packing cases on it. <laughs> and it's called Butlin Queen of the Lake. And there's a fairly industrial building beside, which I remember with a dining yeah, room that, or something. Yeah, that looks grim. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was sent in 1973, and it was sent to Dorset from Somerset, so not very far. Here's the story. Sandra entered the Lovely Legs competition. And what a story there is to tell there. (laughs) She had her photo taken with a red coat, so she'll have a souvenir. See you all Sunday. (gasps) Sandra with the good legs. Well, Well, we don't know if it's good legs, actually, because there's a story. Yeah, I don't know if they were good or bad, but... um, that's so good. My mum was um, a red coat. Was, was she? it a red coat? Yeah. yeah, yeah. At uh, Butlins in Scarborough. Really? And we've got loads. She she was the woman. She had very good legs, actually, my mum. And she was the woman that peddled the ice cream 
box. It was a box in those. It wasn't an ice cream van. It was like a box on the back of oh, it. On a bicycle? On a bicycle. Brilliant. And it was called Stop Me and Buy One. Of course. And uh, she, she talks about it, well, she died this year, but she used to talk about it all the time. It would, you know, you wouldn't go sort of six weeks without her dropping in. I was a red coat. Really? As though it was like a general in an army. It was clearly a very sort of formative time for her. How long did she do that for? She probably did it for about three years. Okay, so it was a part of her Absolutely. So life. she went, I think she went in April and she left in September and then she did other jobs just to get back to Butlins. Very good. So she had as much fun as the guests. She did. She absolutely, I mean, she was an Irish girl away from home, living it up, you know, who knows what she got up to. But if she had a good were, time. If you think of sort of the gloom of Ireland in the yes. 70s, would it be? Grim, yeah. To be a red coat, my Absolutely. God. Absolutely. She took it really seriously, you know, she loved it. Bit of glamour. Very interesting. Well, uh, you know, there, there might be cards out there. <laughs> had a particularly good day selling ice creams today in Scarborough. <laughs> To let you know at home, images of all the cards we discussed today are on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, and you can have a look for yourself. Now, Kit and Gronje, you've been kind enough to come along uh, to the studio today with some postcards <laughs> of your own. Kit, let's start with you. What, what's the first postcard you've got here? OK, the first postcard is um, a pink card, and on the front of it is a fluorescent orange sign that says, The end is nigh. And this is actually a greetings card, isn't it's it? It's a this greetings one? card, yeah. yeah. I collect but you've greetings cards. You've got a kind cards. of, yeah, there's, 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 <coughs> so there's a sort of a, parallel going on here. I've got a huge box at home of greeting cards that I collect. I never, never intend to send them. They're sort of messages to me, really. And this one says on the front, the end is nigh. And it resonated with me because I was brought up as a Jehovah's Witness. And uh, when I was brought up, Jehovah's Witnesses were saying quite clearly the world was going to end in 1975. 75, okay. And it was, you know, an absolute, you know, an absolute date that we all worked to. So I grew up, I was born in 1960, so in 1975 I was 15 and I was obviously a little shit, wild, smoking, you know, kissing boys, and I thought, well, I'm going to die soon. You might and as well. Might as well, exactly. <laughs> and so when I was 16 I left home because the end hadn't come. But I thought it was about to come. I thought the end was nigh. So I left home at 16 and I l- packed it in, you know, because <laughs> the end's about to come. So I was like, what drugs have you got? <laughs> and who are you? And let's go to a party and let's... I was wild. This was not the intended effect of this <laughs> message, presumably. <laughs> it so was. I mean, it's supposed to frighten you into complete and utter... I mean, it's a cult. And it's supposed to frighten you into submission and, and rule-following. And to me and my brothers and sisters, it did exactly the opposite. It made us leave home at the first opportunity because we had to, if you didn't want to be a Jehovah's Witness, you had to leave home. And then it was like, well, we're about to die. Let's let's just go for it. So I was sort of like that till I was 21. And I was just steeped in drugs and alcohol, sex, drugs and rock and roll. I have to say, it was fantastic. I have no <laughs> bad memories. But by the time I was 21... Surprised you have any memories at all. <laughs> well, by the time I was 21, I was fucked. Do you know what I mean? I was tired, I was broke, and I was like, do you know what? Maybe I'm not going to die, and I need to clean up my act and get a bloody job. So that really resonates for me, um, you know, seeing that. It reminds me of when I believed that. It took me a long time to not believe I was going to die, and the, the end is not nigh. The brilliant Kit Duval reflecting on endings and beginnings. 
Two guests who threw themselves into the podcast with personal funny postcard stories were Six Music presenter Gideon Coe and poet Ruth Padell. Ruth had some action-packed stories of being stalked by tigers and being in a boat that was almost upended by killer whales, the life of a poet. Gideon's stories are rather more domestic, but no less powerful for that. Well, this postcard of Villefranche-sur-Mer on the Côte d'Azur, um, which is one of those, as Ruth was mentioning earlier, this is a card we uh, collectively, as a family, one of us bought on a trip there and, and brought home without sending it to anybody, so apologies to family members who didn't get anything for this particular trip. <laughs> aunt who never received it. <laughs> and it, it sort of takes me into France and into Europe as well, because once we were back in Canterbury, there, it was easier to make trips to France, so we would go, the, we went on a it felt like the most extraordinarily adventurous camping trip. It's like a three-day trip to northern France in the early 1980s. Before that, I'd, I'd had one trip with school and also with my dad. My dad took me and took my older brother and I sometime in the, in the mid-70s. Well, we were actually terrified of getting rabies. That's all I remember from that particular trip. <laughs> so the, brother, the, the my, posters were pretty much telling yeah, you you were going to. My brother was saying, don't, don't touch the sand. And we, all, we, we had that, that usual... Uh, experience of playing uh, table football with locals and getting absolutely pasted because they knew how to play properly. They weren't spinning either. So I remember that from that particular <laughs> trip. And they're after various trips, um, quite a few with my dad as well because uh, with him being uh, absentee, as it were, and a, a working musician as well, and very, very busy during the 70s and 80s. So we'd uh, he'd send postcards from various... Unbelievably exotic locations to to our eyes, like Malmo and, and uh, Hamburg and Berlin and Paris, and occasionally take us on on trips as well to Paris, and um, you know, which was again felt like it was beautifully other otherworldly and and um, a, a lovely place to be. But it would also also it was a way of him keeping in touch with with my older brother and keeping in touch with me because via postcards from wherever he was, that's the best way he could do it. Telephones were the most expensive things in the world to use <laughs> in the 1970s. You couldn't From abroad, possibly once every 10 years, you may be able to afford to do that. <laughs> um, it's just absolutely out of the question. And we only had incoming calls anyway, so we couldn't ring him wherever he was. So he'd send us things like... So we got some... Um, Tom's very kindly provided three postcards which depict uh, the mannequin piece in uh, in Brussels which is a statuette, it's quite a small statue of a boy urinating, which the, the legend has to do with putting out a fire, which was, I presume, threatening the, the town. Oh. I presume, I it is one of the from. least likely statues in any city in Europe, really. I presume it's still a functioning fountain. I don't think it's a drinking fountain. I'd hope not. Uh, and obviously, we thought it was... The, to get something like that, was like, like he sent us a key ring as well, which, we were, which wasn't a working key ring. That would, these days it would be. So he sent, he sent us one of those. But it was... It's quite, I suppose quite poignant in a way because it was his one way of keeping in touch with his son. So he'd sent well, one of the ways because otherwise we'd see him at gigs and uh, interminable jazz gigs because they were lost on us. And I, what did he and play? Saxophone, mm. clarinet. So we go to Ronnie Scott's and see him play there, which I'm sure was that were absolutely fantastic shows. We'd listen mm. to Ronnie Scott do his uh, the, the same jokes he always <laughs> did and continue to do for forever for as long as he was he was there. Uh, which we we like the jokes, but the jazz was lost on us, and sadly in those days, I'm afraid, jazz is wasted on the young. Now it'd be amazing. So it was a way to keep in touch. Beyond that was the postcards that he sent from wherever he was, usually in northern Europe, where they clearly they, they it was more efficient. They paid better. 
And they had your names on it. He'd written your names and they came to you. Yeah, they, exactly. They were our postcards. And similarly, we went on a on a trip with him one holiday. I think it must have been a half sort of summer half term. We went to, uh, he's very, very much into, uh, ahead of his time in many things and very much into nature cure and uh, that approach to, to health. So we went, so he took his one teenage and one soon-to-be teenage son to uh, this place in Edinburgh which we found quite difficult <laughs> as, as children. There was nowhere to play football, as far as we could tell. And uh, what, what were you doing there? What, what... Eat a lot of juices and, and yoga. Wow. Uh, Swim? Water? Uh, no, there might have been a, a sort of plunge pool to have a cold splash in. Uh, mm. And the yoga, there was a, I remember we obviously would get the giggles during yoga because it was the funniest thing <laughs> you could ever think. And there was a man there with his mother, looking after his mother with a very, very loud northern voice who would, uh, in the middle of a very... <laughs> Sort of meditation part. The teacher would be doing the heavy breathing. Be very silent. And he would say, we'd hear, I say, uh, my mother, she cannot get her leg up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so Simon would start laughing. So, But the, as part of the, the rest of the family were in Canterbury, and I felt very homesick. So I remember getting a postcard from my mum and stepdad to where we were in Edinburgh. And it was written, and I remember it, I wish I'd kept it, part 857 and it was one of those weird postcards we've got far too much text on it printed text oh, on right. it so there's about oh, on the sort of descriptions yeah, on the exactly, back yeah. so there's, so there's no room for you exactly there's a tiny bit to, and um, my stepmother just put it on it uh, there's not enough room here to write a message <laughs> love <laughs> but receiving that where well, I was slightly homesick uh, and thinking of uh, my mum and the rest of the family uh, was great and was, you know, receiving postcards like that and it's the same you know miss my dad and get postcards from him wherever he was they they really they 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 help you don't, then and would do now. You don't always need to write very much, actually, do you? Because the the message really is that I'm thinking of you. Yes, um, you're being held in somebody else's mind while they're in another place, and that's so important. Well, but some people agonise over what should I put on this postcard? Just say where we are, what it's like, and. Uh, Send love. There we go. That'll do. Yes. And uh, you'll find writing about the weather at some length is yeah. uh, fairly customary. <laughs> weather, food, location, lots of love. See you soon. Bye-bye. There yes, my dad, when we went on family holidays, he, he would um, write a lot of very, very careful postcards and he would be very punctilious about it and write each one very carefully. Yeah, I think it's a, it, that's a thoughtful process, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Mm. What I used to see is I, I look at probably too many postcards. I do see in cards from the 1970s and 60s and 70s, actually, people say a lot about when they're coming home. Mm. I don't think you say that on card now. You know, I'll be home on Tuesday, probably, or I'm, I don't know when we'll be back. Or, it, as if it kind of matters that much. But it was something people used to say. Uh, I think it's because perhaps because travel has got so much cheaper, because it was really expensive then. And now, you know, you can go, you can fly to Romania for £50 or something. And you have far more options. Because mm. this is even people at, at, a, at a British seaside resort. Uh, you know, we'll probably be home on Thursday. Yeah, I think there's an element of not trusting this weird way that you could suddenly go very quickly to these uh, exotic places. Also, cars were very unreliable then, genuinely. So the number of cars where they say the car broke down yeah. is just... Yeah, we're planning to drive back. There's bound to be trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the clutch is gone, or luck luckily it was only the brakes that went. There are a lot of card references in in your postcards, aren't there? I'm not, there's, yeah. Yeah, and specific makes and what's going on with the Vauxhall. Yeah, exactly. I think we should bring that back to postcards, actually. I, mean, I don't actually have a car, and I can't drive, but I think I'll start putting it on postcards. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Podcast from the Past, the Postcard Podcast, and I'm Tom Jackson. This is our end of Series 2 multi-view a chance to hear again some of the best postcard conversations from the series. Or, if you're new to the podcast, an appetiser, a taste of what we do, a rapid spin around the postcard carousel. Now, one of the most popular shows we did was with award-winning BuzzFeed News journalist Emily Dugan and philosopher Julian Bagini. Julian tells a good story. Here he is, recalling childhood trips to an unprepossessing part of Italy. What was extraordinary was that it was a time where everywhere had postcards, right? Even if they didn't merit it. Now, my father for a while was living in a place called Vidigolfo, which, um, if you say that to anyone who knows the area, it's one of those places that makes people kind of like guffaw <laughs> the very word. It's like a satellite town in Milan. And it really is, you know, almost like swamp country. I mean, I remember coming back at night once and, you know, the the the, the, the road is full of these toads uh, crossing and wow. everything. It's It's... A horrible place. I'm sorry, it's horrible. <laughs> you know, it's just got a lot of new builds. It's humid. There's nothing to do there. I don't know why he ever took the flat there, but he did. And in the local shop, they had postcards of Vidigolfo. It was this most mundane street scene, completely mundane street scene. But what was really interesting, I looked at it and I could see that there weren't any lampposts in the sky. They'd airbrushed the sky blue and as a result you just had the stumps <laughs> of, the, of the street lamps coming up to sky height you know desperately trying to make Vidigolfo look beautiful when it was always a, a lost cause. attempt to airbrush the town yeah no completely half-baked completely failed um what what can i say but you know that's what the postcard was doing it it's like this we're somewhere lovely you know the postcard's meant to tell you this is lovely and there's a kind of civic pride in having a a postcard of where you come from and if if your place is a bit of a dump it doesn't, shouldn't stop you having a postcard showing it to have beautiful blue skies. Where would postcards be without those lovely skies, blue as forget-me-nots? Listening back to this series of podcasts from the past, I realised I couldn't leave out the episode featuring comedian, actor, comedy writer Julian Dutton and Radio 4 legend Corrie Caulfield. Corrie had a way of making her postcard stories sound considerably more scurrilous than they were. I'll let Corrie explain. 
I moved house recently and uh, and I was sorting through the books and putting them into boxes and, of course, you shake them and lots of interesting <laughs> things fall out. And this postcard, one of these postcards I have in front of me now, fell out, which I have not looked at for 30 years. And I know it's 30 years because the date on it is the 20th of April, 88. And, and I'm just going to read out to who it's to, first of all. It says to Corinne. So that's, that's I'm thinking, well, who the hell is she? You know, that's it. <laughs> and then it says, brackets, the World Service newsreader, who is such good company on jumbo jets, care of BBC Broadcasting World Service, mm-hmm. Bush House, London, England. And Were you at Bush House? I was, yes. Okay. And in 88, I um, had gone, actually in March of 88, uh, just before end of February, I had gone out to visit a very old friend who lived in Hong Kong. And I went for six weeks, uh, which was quite a big thing. And I think I took unpaid leave and disappeared off. And, you know, it was the first time I'd ever flown long haul and it was all very exciting. And and on the way back, I, I remember vividly now when I saw this and read it, when it fell out of the, the book, which must have been the book I was reading at the time or something. Anyway, um, it's from a chap called Tim, and he was a cameraman. I remember that much. And he was working, he'd been working on a film out there, and he was sitting next to me on the Cathay Pacific flight back to, to England on whatever, whenever it was, at the end of March or April. And we had got on extremely well. Not Nothing remotely romantic. We didn't join the mind. No, one, no one's <laughs> suggesting that. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I could be a bit... <laughs> A bit wild. It's a long time days. ago. You can make up whatever ago. story you like. But no, nothing like that. But I do remember. He has put several probably, kisses at the bottom. No, no, no. He's making that up. <laughs> he's put regards. But anyway, um, and I do remember now. I can't actually remember what on earth he looked like, but I do remember he was tremendously good fun. And in those days, um, I drank rather a lot, and I probably and I smoked, and no doubt we sat there and probably drank and smoked our entire way back and fourteen-hour flight to to, to London. There's a whole new side of and you that's I coming do out remember here, the film we watched there. I can remember that because whenever it comes on television, I do, it, I'm suddenly Blush. transported back again, which was. Um, rather suitably, it was um, planes, trains, and automobiles with oh, Steve yes, Martin yes, yes. and mm. John Candy. And That's I can fun. remember we were r- absolutely wetting ourselves, <laughs> probably because we'd had a few sherbets. But anyway, let me just read it out. He is now, this is a postcard from Sunny Madrid. It says Sunny Madrid. And so he's obviously been off on another cameraman filming jaunt or whatever. And it says, Wonderful city, usual thing, only two days and off again. Hope you got back okay and everything is normal after the six-week sojourn. Sorry about the address. Look forward to meeting you on another jumbo. Regards, Tim, Hong Kong to London. Oh. But, I mean, I did love the fact that, A, it it um, it got to Bush House, God mm. bless them, and also that somewhere it ended up in the... Uh, we used to have lockers or um, little pigeonholes up in in the um, good old seventh floor, I think it was, in those days of Bush House, and there it was. And And, and you I, were findable. And you know, I was fine. A public character, but they, was, they knew where the BBC I, was. Absolutely, and I was, and uh, and and it was just great. And I looked, and when this, I saw it again after, you know, probably twenty five, thirty years. Well, it's thirty years, isn't it? Eighty eight. When we were packing up the house, and it fell out of this book, I mm. remembered it vividly, and I thought, <laughs> well, how great to have sent a postcard yes. afterwards. I mean, you sort yes. of thing that you get to the airport and you say, well, thank you very much for your great company on the flight. I, lo- I, I love those stories you, you know. of I love those stories of um, postcards or letters getting to the person when, uh, th- I mean, often the, in in the past, the the postal service would just have a single name or even. 
I don't know, the Englishman that lives in the village. And when it's sending it to Wales or whatever, some remote part of Britain, and and it would get there, you know. Well, it didn't have Bush House, so I suppose it it did have. But there's no no surname. Anyway, I I did get it. And it's not even the correct first name. No, it's not. It's not. So obviously, I must have introduced myself on the flight, Corey, and people yes. do think. I mean, I often get called Connie, yes. and I kind of. I mean, you might have slurred Connie. a bit as well. well I don't think I'd had. I don't think I'd had a drink at that point, but I maybe the, by the time I left. I love the little description of your voice. I know, he's but put it's in brackets, he's so put, sort of defining you by your voice, yeah, the wonderful put, voice. And he's just put the, the World Service newsreader, who is such good company on Cambridge. Oh, yes, right. I mean that is a lovely thing That's to write, a, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so, maybe thought that was your actual name. I know. Anyway, so there. I mean, I have to say, I have to say, it's not the most inspiring. Photograph on the front in the, on the thing. It's a sort of roundabout with lots of little cars going around some massive. Actually, it does say what it is here: the Puerta de Alcalia. My Spanish is awful. Something door. Anyway, there we go. From so Madrid. You just uh, one and more question. On one, one more question on this one. But that's, yeah. you have to hold on to this. Oh. Where is he now? This I have chap? no idea, Tim. You, if you're you... listening to this, Gosh. do you remember getting a flight back from Hong Kong <laughs> in end of March or beginning of April in 1988? Well, um, Corey, we have to say he's here now, <laughs> Tim. <laughs> Another drunken night lies ahead of you. But also, Tim, no, don't don't worry, Tim. There was sufficient postage on the card. You don't owe anything. No, don't worry. You don't owe me anything. Um, but no, I'd love to know, actually. I mean, one of the a chance meeting, you see. There you go. We met once in our life and he sent me a postcard. How lovely. He's probably lovely. sitting in his house in Hampstead with a row of Oscars I, behind he him. Probably, he probably sits there at home and goes, God, when I come on the six o'clock news, he goes, oh, there's that woman. You know, she was absolutely trolled on a flight back <laughs> from Hong Kong. I'm never going to Hong Kong again. <laughs> <laughs> For this series of podcasts from the past, we tried something new, recording an episode in front of an audience. The good people of South East London turned up in some numbers and it was standing room only at the bookseller Crow in Crystal Palace. The guests that night were quiet as editor and author of the splendid memoir Out of the Woods, Luke Turner, and independent travel expert Simon Calder. Simon is a fount of great stories and when he pulled out a postcard from the Channel Islands, I knew we were in for something special. Here we have a postcard which which looks older than it is. Um, very often the case. Very well, often yeah, the case. The, the car, so you'll, you'll see a, a kind of Mark One Fiesta there, which I think places it as some um, kind of late seventies. Well. Yeah. Um, but so, you, your connection with this place is from earlier. Oh, oh yes. Um, so, uh, growing up in Crawley, as you say, and uh, about a mile and a half from the runway at Gatwick Airport, which I know everybody here will know and love, um, gateway to the world. Uh, in 1962, um, it was apparently on the uh, list of targets, understandably, from the Kremlin. Uh, you might recall, uh, well, some people might here might recall, you obviously wouldn't, Tom, Luke certainly wouldn't, the Cuba Missile Crisis of 1962. Um, it was so exciting. <laughs> the... Historians agree. <laughs> So Cuba, of course, had gone a bit wrong from the uh, Washington, D.C. point of view. 1959, New Year's Day, Fidel Castro, aided and abetted with Che Guevara, overthrew the hated Batista regime and installed themselves. And they decided within a few months they were going to become a communist regime propped up by the Kremlin, which actually saw them through the next couple of decades. But the Kremlin obviously wanted something in return, and that was, please can we use your lovely island as somewhere to install some nuclear weapons because uh, we've noticed you're only 90 miles from Miami. And uh, Fidel I, I presumably said yes and uh, all these missiles were steaming 
towards um, Cuba uh, aboard Russian ships. And, um, well, the world was probably closer to nuclear Armageddon, which means that Crawley was closer to nuclear Armageddon <laughs> than, than ever. And uh, my lovely parents um, uh, thought, uh, OK, so we, we, we have um, at the time four children. Um, we live uh, very close to this um, this airport, which evidently is going to be targeted in the event of a nuclear war. We better scarper. So um, unbelievably, particularly given the um, constantly strained family finances, they bought tickets on British European Airways to the furthest place they could get. <laughs> Um, and that uh, uh, afford to get, and that was um, Guernsey. <laughs> so, um, when, when you were six, it was quite difficult to understand the nuances of international politics. All you knew that was, that, first of all, you'd been on an aeroplane. Secondly, you were somewhere really exotic. And I give you St. Peter Port. And from that moment onwards, and uh, being six, actually, 1962, a great year for me. Uh, later on that year, my um, uh, parents dispatched me and my sister, who had just turned eight, to the Lake District on a Woodcraft Folk outing. Oh. And that, uh, by, by the time you've, you've done that, two of those things in one year, right, I'm just, I just want to travel. Funnily enough, at the time, Crawley wasn't the most exciting place on the planet. Obviously, it is now. Um, but uh, but, but that's, that's kind of set me up. But that, that's an amazing story. So what made your parents think we've got to vacate Not The whole street wasn't leaving. No, uh, well, it was the A23, so if, 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 if the whole street had left, that would have been quite exciting at the airport. Um, no, uh, they genuinely looked at it from a risk assessment point of view and thought, we have to do everything we can to protect our children, uh, let's fly them somewhere else. Um, and and uh, later on in life, my father met other people kind of in, in the US who had done exactly the same thing. Really? Shipped out for a week until... Uh, Fidel and oh gosh, I'm going to say Khrushchev yes. and and um, uh, Kennedy all had got on the phone and sorted sorted stuff out. So while you were out in the Channel Islands, w were you all glued to the wireless waiting for well, the all clear? I dare say my my parents were. We were having the time of our <laughs> lives. It was it was so exciting. I can't tell you. Um, yes, yeah, so so Guernsey always always on my mind. The irrepressible Simon Calder, with an unusual story from his childhood. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our multi-view version of Podcasts from the Past. The podcast is taking a short break now before coming back with more postcard stories from more great guests in a matter of weeks. In the meantime, if you haven't subscribed, please do. Of course, that means the next series will come to you automatically. Also, do catch up with any episodes you've missed. They're still there on iTunes, Acast, or via the website postcardfromthepast.co.uk. And it's worth looking at the blog anyway, because there will be a few other bits of news on there while we're not making new podcasts. Above all, the simplest thing is to keep our eye on the Twitter, at Past Postcard. And if you've enjoyed this second series of podcasts from the past, please leave a rating or a review on iTunes. I'm going to leave you with a memorable episode where I was delighted to welcome to the studio the man whose voice was voted Britain's favourite, the wonderful BBC newsreader Zeb Soans and the extraordinary musician and entertainer, Lorraine Bowen. Over to Lorraine. This is from when I used to live in London and travel into, you know, central London on the 38 bus, which oh, I presume I know it you well, do, yes. yes. And I used to think it was so boring 
course, in those days, I don't think I had um, an iPod or anything. And so you just had to read people's newspapers over their shoulder. And then one and day... And judge them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> one day, someone got a whole pile of mail out on the front seat. And, do you know, everyone was stretching their necks <laughs> forward. So this is the song called Interesting Mail. Oh, this bus trip is boring. Everyone is yawning. And this morning there's nobody's paper to glance at over their shoulder. And the same man is snoring. I hope his friend is not ignoring him. Cause it's normally here she taps him to wake him for his bus stop. But what is happening over there? Something is going on. Quite a commotion over there in the front row. He's opening his letters on the bus. Opening his letters in front of us. He's got a big pile of interesting mail. If I stretch my neck out far enough, I can see handwritten mail on colourful paper, postcards with foreign stamps on. Too much for me to bear. I only had one letter today, and that was from the council tax, and only a reminder. Can someone be so cruel, torturing the top deck? How can someone be so cruel, grinning in the front row? He's opening his letters on the bus, opening his letters in front of us. He's got a big pile of interesting mail. Come on, everyone on the bus, this is outrageous. All sing along. Come on, on number 38, let's go. He's opening his letters on the bus, opening his letters in front of us. He's got a big pile of interesting mail. Well, it's very hard to top that. I just like to say that that's it for this time on podcast from the past. Um, make sure you buy uh, Lorraine's uh, CD and her book, The Crumble Lady. Also, Gaspar the Fox. Um, make sure you buy Gaspar the Fox uh, from Zeb, including some. There are available also some postcards, as you mentioned, postcards of Gaspar the Fox. Um, but for now, I just like to thank very much my first class guests uh, for sharing the postcards from their past Lorraine Bowen and Zeb Sons. Thank you both. Hello, Thank you. And thank, thank you. you at home for listening. Can you do that at the end of the news on radio? I'd love to. <laughs> you can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book, Postcard from the Past, by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. 
And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.